Thank you, Dave. Can y'all hear me? A little bit? All right. Thank you, Dave. That was some good stuff right there. Welcome, Upward parents and players. How y'all doing? Upwards, y'all doing all right? Good, good. Let me just, let me kind of just do a little bit of a show of hands right quick. Um, how, many, how many of you are excited that Upwards is over? Parents? Some of the kids? Okay. All right. All right. Well, who is excited? Um, who is not excited that Upwards is over, huh? Okay, that's good. That makes me feel a little bit better. All right. Next year, right? Next year. Um, so my name's Ethan, and I am the uh, middle school youth pastor here, um, slash family ministry assistant, slash upward director. So, um, and so I'm going to be preaching today, and um, John, I wanted to thank you for giving up your pulpit. I know it's, uh, it's a very scary thing to give your pulpit up to me, um, so I want to thank you um, for that. Um, and then something else that I wanted to do was, um, I have a great wife. I have a great wife. Um... Yeah, yeah, I do. And um, I, uh, my wife uh, gave up every Saturday. Um, what is happening here? Um, she gave up every Saturday and um, for the first part of the season gave up um, her evenings for me. And she worked like 60,000 uh, hours a week. And so, KK, I just wanted to give you these roses because uh, I love you. I know, kids. I'm sorry. That was grody. I kissed her. <laughs> um, sweet. So, um, thank you for that. Um, so, uh, like I said, my name's Ethan, and I'm the Upward League Director. And um, today we're going to be looking at um, the purpose of Upwards, the purpose of Upwards, and how truly um, Upwards is, is more than a basketball league. It's, it's so much more than a basketball league. That's why... Um, I, I kind of took this, this thing, this beast of a program, just because I, I believe in it. I, I really, truly believe that, man, it does, it does some work with the kids. Um, and so today, if you've never really heard about Upward before, if you think that we just play basketball on Saturdays and practice throughout the week, um, I hope to maybe change your mind today. Hope to maybe change your mind today. Um, because Upwards is more than basketball. Um, Upwards sincerely, sincerely, helps kids find and fulfill their purpose. Helps them find and fulfill their purpose. Upward has this thing called the 360 progression to where um, coaches don't only teach them uh, basketball skills uh, throughout the week. They, uh, they help them um, emotionally, physically, socially, and obviously spiritually. It's this all-encompassing coach of a life. And so we got to tell the kids, and I, I, I have a team here, uh, the Eagles, um, and uh, we got to tell our kids what their purpose was in life. Because I, I really do think that it seems as though that there's, there's a new wave, or there's, there, there's a new generation that is growing up asking very sincere questions. And some of those questions are, um, who am I? Who am I? Some of the questions are, uh, where, where do I fit in? Um, is, is what I'm doing, does, does that really matter? 
Is that making a difference? Is, is there a purpose to all of this? And I think that those are some real and honest questions. Um, and if you want to dismiss those, you can. But the reality is that there are people out there that are asking those questions. And there may be a lot of people out there that are asking the questions of just who am I? Like what, what am I here for? What's my purpose in life? And so through Upwards, we got to, we got to teach the kids that they can truly play with purpose. And I, and I think that through um, three virtues, is what I'm going to call it, three virtues of service, contentment, or sorry, yeah, service, contentment, and hope, that through those, they can find and fulfill their purpose in this life. About every, every practice, um, the coaches, they do what's called a team huddle. And during that team huddle, they'll find a four-year or kind of just kind of remove themselves from the court for a second and really just kind of talk with the kids. And over, over the eight weeks of practices, the eight weeks of practices, um, they got to talk with these kids about these virtues and how it kind of points them to, how serving can point them to um, how we are supposed to serve God, how contentment points to our satisfaction in Christ and how our hope should be full and our trust should be never failing in Christ. And so today I'm going to look at those three virtues and see how we can find and fulfill our purpose through those virtues. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to um, 1 Peter. I love when I say that because all of you look down because you got your Bible. That's just good. That's some good stuff. If you don't, don't worry. I don't hate you. I will throw it up on the board here though, okay? Um, so go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 10. 1 Peter Chapter 4, verse 10. And so as, as we talk about um, service today, um, Gage is going to come up here. Um, if, I could, if I could get a mic. Yeah, sweet. Thank you. And Gage is going to come up here, and he's going to recite his memory verse. He's going to recite his memory verse. Give it up for Gage. Give it up for Gage. <laughs> I, I, I love the wristbands. I love the wristbands. All right, Gage, you ready? Uh-huh. Good. God's gift. God's gift. Of grace. Of grace. Comes in many forms. Come in many forms. Each of you. Each of you. Have received this grace. Has received this grace. To serve others. To serve others. Good job, Gage. Give it up for Gage. Killed it, Gage. You killed it, buddy. It's my kid. I coached him. <laughs> and so as we talk about service, um, we're going to be in 1 Peter. And so in this, in this small but yet powerful five chapters of 1 Peter, um, Peter is in Rome writing this under the emperor Nero. And so if, if I'm going a little history on you, so don't, don't lose me just yet. Um, and this, this emperor was, was famous. He was known for persecuting Christians, or I guess blaming Christians for bad things that happened. And so what he's doing here is he's writing to specifically Christians. He's writing to Christians to help them live a holy life in a hostile world. A holy life in a hostile world. And so what he tells them to do is to serve one another. To serve one another. He even goes on to say serve the local government and things like that, which is just mind-blowing. Um, but one of the ways that we are to serve one another is, and how we're supposed to be holy and set apart, is we are to serve one another. And so honestly, in our lives, you serve something or you serve someone. 
you, you may not admit it, but in reality, in what you say, in what you do, what you spend your money on, what you spend your time on, that, that's what you serve. That's what you serve. And in reality, it kind of boils down to two, two, two people that we serve. Two people we serve. The first one um, is ourself. We, we are inclined to serve ourself. And the second one, which we should do, is serving our God. And the first being ourselves, we live in a me society. We live in a me society. It's all about me. It's all about the user. It's all about the consumer. I mean, just look at the different social media platforms that are out there, right? You can take a picture of what you're doing. You can snap what you're doing. You can, you can tweet about what you're thinking. You can, you can post a status about your, what you're thinking. It's as if, like, people really care about what you have to say. Like, who cares about my thoughts on the latest Bachelor episode? You know, who cares, right? I, I, I watch it because of my wife. Okay, don't judge me. All right. But, but no one cares that I went to, you know, some hipster coffee shop and post a picture of my latte. 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 Like, like, no one cares, right? But I have all these different social media platforms that I use to tell people what I think. It's as if, as if they care, right? Because it's about me. And, and, and I'm inclined. And it's my nature to, to look at those pictures or look at that tweet and see how many people viewed it, see how many people um, uh, retweeted it or liked it, right? Because, because it's about me. We, we are inclined and we are, we are, it's very easy and natural for us to serve ourselves. But this isn't what Peter is talking about. He's, he's talking about serving others, right? Which hopefully you see there in the end of the verse, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. You see, you see even our serving others points to our purpose of serving God, which it ultimately boils down to serving God. Um, th- this isn't something that's new, this isn't something that um, those stinking millennials are starting to do, okay? So don't, don't point the finger just yet. Um, because I believe that this whole um, serving one another, or I guess serving ourselves, um, came from the, from the beginning. And so if you want to, you can turn, but I'm going to throw it on the board, um, is uh, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. And obviously if you know your Bible a little bit, you know that this is the fall of man. And this is where um, Eve and... Uh, Adam and Eve decided uh, to serve themselves rather than to serve God. And um, I'm going to pick up in verse uh, 1 and go through 6. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree in the garden that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. Very specific. This makes me think of um, the mom that tells the uh, four-year-old son not to eat a cookie for dinner, and then she puts all the cookies in that cookie jar. And he's obviously going to go eat the cookie, right? So he picks up and says, um, So, uh, but the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. That, that's, that's key. She took of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. You see, from the beginning, we are inclined. It is natural. It's a natural desire of ourselves to serve, to serve ourselves. But, but, I, but I fully believe... I fully believe that the service of others combats the sin of self-service. 
meaning that we are inclined and it is natural for us to serve ourselves. So therefore, we should serve others to combat that sin in our life. And that ultimately gives us, or gives God the glory. Um, Candace and I have been married for um, about a year on March, right? Yeah, March 5th, right? Yeah, got it. March 5th, we'll be married a year. Um, and uh, honestly, I, I actually can't really believe um, that she hasn't left me yet, uh, being with me for a whole year. She's had to live with me for a whole, a whole year. Um, and, and what Peter says here, and actually if you want to look up in, verse, um, in uh, verse 8, what he says is, Above all, keeping one another earnestly, loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. That's just in verse 8, right above that. Um, those couple verses. And so earnestly there can mean uh, fervent. It can be um, never changing. It can mean, um, my favorite would be stretching. It's a, it's a stretching of love because, because this kind of love, it's hard. To serve one another and combat the sin of self-service in our own life, it's hard. It's difficult. It's not something that it's going to be easy. So it's, you have to earnestly work at this. And so we've been married for almost a year. Um, and I obviously can't believe that she hasn't like just kind of gotten her bags and left yet. Uh, but she hasn't. Um, but let me just kind of be honest for just a second. Um, this whole marriage thing is, is difficult. It's difficult. No, no one wants to amen me. You're all going to lie to yourself and say the marriage is easy. Okay. I just, I'm just wondering if I was the only one honest in this room, okay? Um, this whole marriage thing, it, it's difficult. Thank you. Thank you. Listen it. And so this past week, this past uh, two, <laughs> this past year, I'm just spitting, this past two weeks, um, <laughs> thanks, um, it, it has been hard, and honestly, if I'm just going to be honest today, um, I have, I've been short with her, I, I've lost my temper, um, I've, been, I've been mean, I've been rude, but, but what Candace has done, and I think this describes it perfectly, is her, uh, I, don't, I don't know, but her love has been stretched, she, she has had to stretch herself. She's had to stretch her love to earnestly serve me, even when I'm, I'm being just a jerk. And so, who was that? Was my, is that my mother? Ruining my point here. <laughs> but her love has been stretched, stretched in, in some parts, right? In all parts. But, and I fully believe that this is the kind of love that we are to have one another. And um, her love has been great, but it's a fraction. It's a fraction of the love that God has for me. It's, it's an absolute, it's great, but, but reality check, it's just a fraction of the love, the love that God has for me. Because he earnestly loves me. He earnestly loves you. He earnestly loves the world. And so we are to serve one another to combat the sin of self-service in our own hearts. And that love is difficult. It's hard. And we're all tempted to serve ourselves in the decisions that we make and the words that we say. Serving others is the key to combat that self-service in our own life. Because ultimately to serve is to fulfill the purpose in life to serve God. When we serve others, we give him the glory, like it says in the end of that chapter. So a couple ways of um, application. Uh, th this, the first thing is, are you serving one another in your speech? Like it says in those couple verses. Is what you're saying, is that lifting them up, that person, or is it bringing them down? When, whenever you talk about someone else, are you uh, making them look good, or are you making yourself look good? Right? Are you serving yourself, or are you serving that person by what you say? 
You may feel that I'm obligated to say this, um, but anytime I do get the pulpit and a mic and you can't really talk back, um, one of the greatest ways that we can serve the church is by serving in our children's ministry. I, I, have, I have served in a lot of different areas in Hallmark, not all, but in a lot of different areas, um, but I've yet to find one that is, that is the most fulfilling, the most satisfying than serving with the children. Absolutely. And so we can, we can serve them. The coaches in Upward are an example of that. Some of, these, some of these coaches don't even go to our church, and yet they gave up a night of the week, they gave up their Saturday mornings, and they have families, they have wives. They served one another. And people saw that, and God got the glory. Ultimately, Peter is calling us to serve one another so that God gets the glory. It's all about him. And honestly, the sooner that we realize that this life is not about us, and it's about him, it's about others, the sooner we can model that for our spouses, the sooner that we can model that for our children and our families, the sooner we can model that for those around us that we work with, that we, that we hang out with, that don't know about him. And through our servanthood, he can be glorified. It's, it's about him. We're just the instrument he uses. The second virtue that we talked about is contentment. Is contentment. Um, and and my, uh, my favorite player, not my favorite player, um, one of my favorite players, uh, Rain. Rain's going to come up here. Yes, Rain. Rain's going to come up here, and she's going she's gonna to recite her verse, Philippians. Come on, Rain. Come on. <laughs> you go over here. I have learned the secret of being content, no matter what happens. Good job, Ray. You did so great. You did so great. You can go sit down. I've learned the secret to being content. No matter what, no matter what happens. That's, that's what we talked about. Philippians 4, 10 through 13, I'm just going to kind of fill that out to get a little bit of a context. It says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. This is Paul talking to the church in Philippi. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to, be, uh, how to abound. In every, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. You see, contentment by far, I think, was the, the hardest subject for me to talk about with my kids. I think the first part, because this, this idea of being content with what you have is quite foreign in our culture today. It's quite lost, to, to be happy with what you have. Um, and, then, and then the second part is because I think this is something that I struggle with personally. I struggle with having stuff personally. I think that I'm going to find my satisfaction in that new bag, or that new sleeping bag, or that new tent, okay? I'm weird, all right? And so I, I, as I was talking with my kids about this, I was finding it hard. I, was, I guess the Holy Spirit was working in my life to point out sin in my own life that I do try to find my satisfaction in things other than Him. Um, this past January, my wife and I, we bought a house, right? January 9th or something like that, right? So we're in debt forever. Um, 
And so we bought a house, um, and we moved in. Um, and so if you ever want to kind of like disgust yourself with uh, how much you have, uh, go ahead and just kind of cram it into boxes, and then move those boxes to a truck, and then that truck into your new house, and you'll just disgust yourself with how many boxes you have. It was, it was awful. And honestly, uh, I may get my man card taken away, but as we were packing up clothes, um, and especially shoes. I looked at Kansas' boxes, then I looked at my boxes, and I had about twice as many boxes as she had. Um, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. But I didn't give up any of them because they're all special. They all have a purpose, okay? <laughs> Maybe I will after the sermon. I don't know. <laughs> but contentment is hard. And, and in Philippians, Paul's writing from prison to a church. And one of Paul's purposes in writing this letter is to inform the, inform the church on how he's doing. And so he thanks them for supporting him in his ministry. He says, hey, when I was low, I, I, can, I can abound. And so he thanks them for supporting him. And, and this, this, this is a great verse for just contentment, for contentment. It's basic. Let me kind of just summarize it for you. This is, what, this is what he says. I am not in need now because I've learned that in whatever situation he was in and that he would just be fine. He knew that at the lowest parts of his life, the poorest parts of his life, he would be okay. At the highest points of his life, in the wealthiest times of his life, he would be okay. The secret to his success is that he can do all things through Christ because it's Jesus Christ who strengthens him in those times. You see, our satisfaction cannot be found in anything else but Jesus Christ. And so it comes down to two things. Where's your satisfaction and do you have full faith and trust in God that he has control of your life? The first one being satisfaction in Christ. Satisfaction in God. Uh, me and my wife, we, uh, we watch Shark Tank. Anybody watch Shark Tank? Anybody out there? All right, Shark Tank, it's all right. It's pretty good. It's all right. I've learned it's all about, you know, how much debt you have and how much equity, you know. I don't know. I don't know what I learned. But it's a pretty great show. But honestly, as, as I was kind of like looking at it, and we were watching it, binge watching it on Netflix, you know, um, what I was doing was, as I looked at all those different sharks, and basically they're just investors. They get people to pitch ideas, and then they cut them at the knees. And so what these sharks do is they, they throw out numbers, and they, they try to get a part of their business, and really they're not giving away money because they, they end up getting it back in the end, right? Um, but these, 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 these men and women, they're, they're self-made millionaires, they have some money. And it finally dawned on me, um, I guess a couple episodes in, is that these self-made millionaires, what they're doing on the show is they're just trying to make more money. That's, that's what they're doing, right? It's as if, because we all have that number on our head, if, if I made this salary or if I got this bonus or if I got this job, I would be satisfied, right? But as I was watching this show, I was like, they have it all, right? You know, they have the money, but yet what do they want? They want more. Because you can't be satisfied in material possessions. One, one, of the, one of the men, I'd say probably the, 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 the guy that could be most satisfied in the world was King David's son, Solomon. King David's son, Solomon. You see, um, I had this very curious and interesting um, conversation with God. So God comes to Solomon and says, hey, you have one wish, wish it all. You can have power, women, land, gold, uh, whatever you want. And Solomon, I guess, was already pretty wise, and he asked for wisdom. And so with wisdom came all those things. And so throughout Solomon's life, if, if you read it, is that he has all the power he could have. He has all the women he could have. He has all the land and all the gold he could have. 
And so of all the people in the world, Solomon, King David's son, should be satisfied in his material possessions. It actually says, um, if you look at Solomon's gold alone, I did a little bit of research, if you look at his gold alone, you'll see that he brought in over one billion of our dollars a year in gold alone. It says actually that gold was as common as stones in Jerusalem at that time. But with all that being said, he should be satisfied, right? But he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. And so that, that word vanity, you may not know what that means. I had to look it up. And so what it means is it could mean a mist or, or a breath. It's, it's here for a little bit and then it's, and then it's gone, right? <sighs> Mists of mist. It's all gone. It's here for a second and then it's gone the next day. And he's describing what would happen if we, if, we put our, if we try to find our contentment in material possessions. This is what he's describing. It's, it's here one day, and it's gone the next. You will never be satisfied. The second is our trust and faith must be in Jesus Christ. Our trust and faith must be in Jesus Christ for us to have contentment and find and fulfill our purpose in life. This means that when we are at our lowest and we are, when we are at our highest, we know that God ultimately is in control. I remember going to uh, Putt-Putt. Kids, you like Putt-Putt? You like going to Putt-Putt? Yeah, sweet. So I remember going to Putt-Putt as a young kid, about y'all's age. Um, and I remember one of my favorite things to do was to ride the bumper carts. Right, kids? You love riding the bump, bumper cars, right? And the reason why they call it bumper cars is so that you can bump every person that tries to pass you, right? I mean, obviously. And so as me and my dad were, were waiting in line, we finally get in the car, um, and in the cars that we sat in, there was a steering wheel in front of him, and there was a steering wheel in front of me. And at that age, I had no idea. I was like, that can't work. Two steering wheels, that, there's no way that can work. But I had fun. And so as we're driving, um, and people are passing us, all right, because I guess my dad's slow or whatever, um, I remember grabbing that steering wheel that was in front of me and trying to ram every person that kind of went by me. And for some reason, I guess, I don't know what the reason was, but it never dawned on me that I had no control over that steering wheel. <laughs> Maybe it was far later in life to where I figured that out. But I, 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 when I picture us trying to control our life or have a grip on our life, this is, this is what I picture. I, I picture us sitting in a seat, and God's next to us, and we have a fake or a false steering wheel, and we're trying to move our life. And, and when we try to move it to the left and it doesn't go, we're like, man, and when we try to move it to the right, right, it doesn't go. And I feel as though when, when we try to have control over our life and we don't allow God to control our life, uh, that's not contentment. That's not contentment. Control is such an illusion in this life. And to act as though we were actually in control is quite frankly quite foolish. Truly trust in him and have full faith in him. That is how you find contentment. The last part I want to talk about, last virtue I want to talk about is hope, is hope. And um, Ethan is going to come up here and tell me his memory verse. Give it up for Ethan, guys. Give it up for Ethan. Could you walk any slower? You ready? In this world, you will have trouble, but be content. 
but be encouraged. I have won the battle over the world. Good job, Ethan. Good job. And so as we talk about hope, and thank you so much, that's a, such a beautiful, beautiful verse. I'm so glad that they memorized that. As we talk about hope, we'll be in John 16, uh, 32 to 33, and this is kind of where I'm going to end. It says, Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and you will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. That's a promise. You will have tribulation, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. That, that's hope right there. That's some good hope. Jesus is speaking here to the disciples, and what he's explaining is, is that here in a little bit, he's not going to be here anymore. And yeah, he's going to send someone, and it would be better if he sent someone than stayed, but still, they're going to have tribulation. They're going to have trials. And what Jesus is saying is that they, they are to fill the, the mission that God had started with them, that Jesus had started with them. And so he's saying there's going to be tribulation, there's going to be trials, but have hope because Jesus has already overcome it on the cross. He's taking care of it all. So what the disciples had their hope in would effectively determine their outcome in life, in fulfilling that mission. The same goes for us. What we have our hope in will determine how we fare in this life. What we have our hope in will determine how we fare in this life. So, Reed, will you come on up here, Reed? Give it up for Reed, guys. All right, Reed, go ahead and say hi to everybody. Hi. All right, you don't dab, though. Don't dab, okay? Hey, Reed, you can go ahead and hang on to that, um, to that microphone. What I'm going to do with Reed right quick, um, which we'll see. We'll see how this works. Um, what I'm going to do for Reed is... I, actually, What Reed's going to do is what you've done all season, Reed. You're just going to score a basket. That's easy enough, right? Okay, good, good. Glad you got some, you know, some confidence, okay? So, Reed, what I want you to do is I want you to kind of use your own legs, use your own skill that your awesome coaches, yep, just like that, all right, that your awesome coaches taught you, and I want you just kind of to put it in there. Deal? All right, y'all think you can do it? Good. Full faith, full faith in you, okay? Reed? Ah! Good job, Reed. Reed, good job, buddy. Awesome. Hey, who was your awesome coach that taught you how to do that? I was. Okay, good. Oh, good. Making me feel good. All right, Reed, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but what I want you to do, and <laughs> what I want you to do is I want you now to shoot on this goal, right? That's easy enough, right? No? Hey, do y'all think you can do it? Okay. All right, Reed, so come right over here. Come right over here. And I want you, with all your strength and all your little might, I want you to shoot that ball up there. That was pretty close, right? All right, let's, let, you, you want to try it again? You want to try it again? Okay. You better not make it. Oh, man. I taught you too well because I almost ruined my illustration here, okay? And so, Reed, can you make that goal? Pro probably not, right? Maybe, a little, maybe when you get older in just a little bit, okay? Uh, but you can't make that goal on, on your own power or your own strength, right? But could you use some help? You could use some help. Does that, does that scare you a little bit? No? Okay, all right. So let's, let's, let's see if we can do it with a little bit of help, okay? 
All right, let's see here. Ready? Hang on to that ball. Ah! Good job. Give it up for Reed. Give it up for Reed. Thank you, Reed. Thank you. You see, if you, if you have your hope in yourself, you're already limited. Because we ourselves, we're not infinite. We're finite. And so when we put our hope in ourselves, it limits our purpose. It limits our potential. And if we are to find our purpose and fulfill our purpose, our hope has to be outside of ourselves. You see, when Jesus is talking to the disciples, he doesn't say, hey, um, pray really hard. He didn't say, hey, read your Bible a whole lot, right? He says, have hope because I've already done it. And so if Jesus has already done it, then we are to put our full faith and our trust in him because he's already overcome the world. So if you have your hope in Jesus' death and resurrection, then you will have no death and you will have a resurrection. Your hope will never be overcome because Jesus has never been overcome. I, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a second as Dave and the band come up here. You see, what we try to teach during Upwards is that every kid, even every parent, and every, every human has purpose. Amen. And to find and fulfill that purpose is your goal in life. You see, God has created all of us with a purpose, and that purpose is to ultimately to glorify Him. We accomplish this through service, through contentment, and through hope in Him. So where are you today? Do you have your hope in yourself or something outside of yourself that is past yourself? Are you still hanging on to that fake steering wheel, trying to turn your life around or trying to turn it to the left or to the right and having no hope in that? Have you ever stopped trusting in yourself and put your faith and trust totally and fully in Him? If you haven't, today should be that day. Today should be that day that you transfer the hope that you have in yourself and you find contentment in serving Him. If you've already made that decision, then where are you at? What are you serving? Are you serving yourself? Are you serving God? Are you serving others to glorify God? Where is your satisfaction? Where do you find your contentment? It is, in, is it in those things? Is it in that person? Or is it in the personhood of God? And so here in a second, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And after I pray, we're all going to stand up. And at that time, we're going to have pastors down here, line coaches, you can come down here. And I want you to come down here and do business with God. If you want to transfer your hope from yourself to God, to Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, then today would be an amazing day to do that. If you want to bring your family, bring your spouse down to talk about how you need to have contentment not in yourself but in Him, that you need to stop serving yourself but serving each other, serving your family, serving your children, then today would be an amazing day to do that. So I'm going to pray. And once I pray, we're all going to stand up and it'd be great for you to come down here and do business with the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for everything that you've done. Lord, I thank you so much. As we've walked through the Old Testament, we've found out that, Lord, we deserve judgment because we worship you shallowly. 
Lord, that in the New Testament, Lord, that judgment is carried out, not on us, which we totally and righteously deserve, but Lord, is carried out on your own son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. And Lord, I thank you for your son defeating sin on the cross and death in the grave so that I may have hope and I may have full life until its fullest in you. And Lord, I pray for anyone out there, for any family out there, for any child out there that is still have hope in themselves and they want to put their trust and their faith in you, Lord, you would use your Holy Spirit to move them and to convict them and make that right today. Lord, I pray for Ethan Wagner, that he would stop having contentment in things and in people, Lord, but I would just, I would fully put my trust and faith in you. So Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you've done. And in Jesus' precious name, amen. Go ahead and stand up. And if you need to do business with the Lord, come down here to the altar and talk to God.